every time I say Cybertruck, I want to say Cybertruck. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> like that. Cybertruck. <laughs> like, yeah, even if I, if I got one and I, and I rolled up in it, I'd just be like, hey, want to get a, have a ride in my Cybertruck? Can you say it with a British accent? Like a real, like a real hoity-toity... That's about, uh, it's oh, but they don't say truck. They don't call trucks trucks. Lorry? Yeah. Cyber lorry. <laughs> Come have a, have a ride on my cyber lorry. Oh, that's terrible. It sounds like vaguely creepy. This is Charles. And this is Rachel. From BNV Radio. This is Design Goggles. Cars are, arguably, the ultimate design story of the century. The automobile crosses so many creative lines, a rolling feat of engineering, fashion, art, architecture, graphic design, branding, and UX design, all wrapped up into one. It started in Europe, where in 1885, Carl Benz rolled out the first internal combustion car in history. 134 years later, the automotive world and the design world alike were introduced to the 100% battery-operated Tesla Cybertruck. The aggressive, angular, stainless steel wedge on wheels looks like something out of a science fiction movie. To say it's polarizing would be an understatement. People love it, hate it, some think it's one of the worst automobiles ever designed, and others look at it and they see the future. One thing is for certain, Tesla, known for innovation, has not disappointed in pushing the envelope when it comes to design norms. The Cybertruck could have huge implications for the design world, and not just when it comes to cars. Today, my co-host Rachel is with me, and we're going to talk about why the unveiling of this vehicle may be a moment that goes down in design history. Rachel, thank you for making time to sit and chat. Happy to be here. I am so excited. (laughs) I actually wanted to do, before the Cybertruck ever emerged, to do like a show about cars in general, Mm -hmm. but could never quite find the right angle or moment because it's such a huge subject. And then Elon Musk was just there for you. (laughs) Yeah. Had had you, before I was like, oh, hey, I want to do a show about Cybertruck, had you seen it or heard of it? I saw the picture of it. Right. And I heard about the incident with the windows. Right. But I hadn't had a chance to watch the video yet or even look at a photo of it. So that alone is like a perfect preamble to why this is so important. The fact that even if you aren't in design, even if you are into cars, it seems like everybody has heard something about this. Well, I mean, it's almost like it's such a great thing that those windows did break because that catapulted it. It, it turned out to be a, like a marketing opportunity because right. everybody was like, oh, my God. And it was funny <laughs> and it, like all these things. And like, yeah, right. I guess it was something that went wrong in theory, but it was so funny and entertaining that now many more people know about it just because it was funny. Yep. And so just in case you're listening and like you have been under a rock or don't own a phone or have ever been to YouTube, uh, (laughs) Elon Musk unveiled the Cybertruck, which as I described in the intro, it's like this big stainless steel wedge. It looks like no other vehicle ever really that's been created in reality. It looks and like a military, it looks like a, a little bit. military vehicle. Which, and of. put a pin in that because that's actually okay. a okay. thing that, no, 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 I want to get back to it because Dazine talked about the implications there a little bit. But okay. during the unveiling, they were talking about how all the glass was bulletproof and this guy comes up and he's going to throw this big metal ball bearing into the windows and to show how impervious they are. And then he does it and it yeah, but all of the windows shatter every time he throws <laughs> the ball and like Elon Musk was up there and super embarrassed. 
but in a way, even that performative yeah. failure ended up catapulting like it even more. Yeah, they couldn't have planned that better. Right. If, if those balls had bounced off that window, it would have been, wow, cool, shatterproof truck. Mm-hmm. And nobody would have cared. Right. And now it's just viral immediately because, because <laughs> like, hey, check out billionaire Elon Musk getting embarrassed in his presentation like we all have been. Yes, it's <laughs> relatable. So many times. Yep, yep, yep. It's like, in a way, it was the best PR that, yeah, you yeah. couldn't have imagined for yourself. I mean, you could go down that conspiracy you theory could, path but like, like that was the plan all along they, yep, they you made could but like I doubt no, I seriously not. doubt probably it probably not <laughs> so my initial reaction was as more of like a car geek reaction mm-hmm. where I was just thinking about the which are interesting implications okay yeah god uh, so different than any other truck ever made and oh my gosh made out of stainless steel and yes like the angles are super reminiscent of you know production design from 70s and 80s science fiction films and You could go a whole other route with the conversation and talk about that. But for the purposes of our chat, I'm a little more interested in, like I said in the intro, the design world implications Mm -hmm. on a couple levels. The first one being typically it would be impossible to build a prototype in general and sell it and market it to the public, you know, for literally over 100 years cars have been designed, prototypes have been made and shown to the public. And then in some watered down way, the design moves the, uh, what's the way to put it? Like the inspirations or the aura of the car, yeah, might make it to a road vehicle. A good analogy would be the difference between runway fashion and the clothes that ends up on the rack. Mm -hmm. So the fashion equivalent to extend the metaphor is as if literally someone made an outrageous outfit on the runway and then just it went directly to Nordstrom's and people were signing up to wear this insane thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the equivalent of what's happening, which is incredible to me. It's as if in architecture, somebody just like built the craziest Frank Gehry-esque thing. And then it's just like, reserve it for a hundred bucks. It can be your new home. And we're just going to make them. Yeah, yeah. And we're just going to make them. That to me, and I could be absolutely bonkers, is how revolutionary this could be in the design world. Hmm. We will see. Yeah. The second thing that became obvious was nobody doesn't have an opinion about it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. Yeah. And, And I didn't really expect that. I expected it to just be like car geeks would talk about it and that was kind of it. But for a solid almost week now, like everybody's been talking about design. Mm-hmm. Well, they Everybody. probably don't realize that they are, though. Probably not. They think they're talking about a Cybertruck, and they don't realize <laughs> that they're talking about design. Which which is kind of cool. Happy. You know, yeah, yeah it also mm-hmm. makes me happy, too. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah. It makes me happy, but also it makes me be like, man, it's a bummer that people don't realize. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. Cars previous to the Cybertruck, literally all of them had tried to look like a car for bunches of reasons. Some of them are obvious, like functional reasons. An internal combustion engine needs air intake and you need aerodynamics and the engine has to be in a certain location in the car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like in the beginning when cars were first invented, they all looked like the horses had run away from a buggy <laughs> and they mm-hmm. just like slapped an engine on the buggy. Mm-hmm. And so for a little while before the Model T came out, they kind of just tried to make them look like that mm-hmm. so that people would be comfortable with them. And then there was this leap forward and like the thing we kind of know as the car today was born where there's this little cab and it's got glass and the the body of Mm -hmm. sheet metal. And even though they have been manufactured for what have they been mass produced for a decade now? Is that true? You're the car guy. I don't know. It's been a little while. I'm having trouble discerning well, like, like the, the difference like between a, when they were being mass produced and the when they were like a fully electric vehicle or a hybrid because the hybrids go back fully electric. Hybrids go back a ways. Yeah. I'm talking about fully electric. Okay. They've been popular. I want to say maybe a little less than a decade, but 
up until this moment, they have all been simulating the shape of a car, Mm -hmm. maybe partially to make the market comfortable and maybe partially because that's just easier to design. Well, but also because there are – it's a car that you're going to drive in an existing world Mm -hmm. that has physical features and facts of nature. 100% true. An atmosphere you have to drive through. Right. Gravity you have to respond to. Roads, potholes. <laughs> All true. <laughs> Humans are generally kind of within a certain size. <laughs> they're very fragile. <laughs> they you are. You have to protect them. <laughs> and they're not so great at driving, so you have to account for that. Also, and the self-driving <laughs> thing. So perfect, perfect response. In the Cybertruck, the cab is all the way up in front. You're not trying to make any room for where the engine would be. The shape of it is almost triangular. I encourage you, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, just Google it really quick. It'll take you two seconds because it comes up in search results so fast. It's almost like a triangle on wheels. Yeah, it looks like a military vehicle that I've seen before-ish, but like maybe in a movie. movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's like Batman would drive it if it weren't silver. It is a little a bit like that, what do they call it? The tumbler from the newer Batman movies? Like the the really yeah. the black yes, aerodynamic yes, really one with a bunch of panels. One where he's yeah, like, yeah. does it come in black? Yeah, yeah. A little bit like that. It obviously it's not as low slung, but the same profile. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's not as low slung. But yeah, it looks like you started with a rectangle mm-hmm. and then you just took like a machete to the corner and you're just like and just like sliced it off. Yep. It doesn't have the look of curvy cars. Right. It's angular. It's not that it's completely not aerodynamic. It just doesn't worry about the yeah. soft curves. I mean, yeah, I have it's no, I don't know how anything about, yeah, it's corners all over. Uh-huh. It's very angular, yeah. which makes it feel very masculine and hard. Hmm. Interesting. To me. I hadn't thought about the gender specifics of it, but that's probably true. Yeah. Like there's cars that you see that are just, you're like, mm, oh, yeah. That is a sexy car. For sure. And to a certain degree, you're you're saying that because you're thinking of it as like a sexy female form. Mm-hmm. Not that there can't be some car that you're like that is a sexy man car. Sure, but, no, you know, there's like, like just, even there's the nomenclature look, of you know? muscle cars versus yeah, yeah, yeah. coupe, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like swoopy lines For versus sure. you know harder edges or whatever. For sure, yeah. One of the most exciting things from a design perspective is so everybody's natural response was like, oh my god, it's so much like science fiction, blah blah blah, and you know, all the science fiction cars that do look like it would be impossible to manufacture. They spend tons of time making that one car mm-hmm. and that's it. And it would be crazy to put that on the street, the amount of R&D it would take. And it's a perfect dovetail from our last show with Scott Crawford talking about like the distance between coming up with a geometry and being able to produce it for real mm-hmm. is getting very, very short. And no, there's no better example of that than this vehicle. It's just like they clearly just like came up with this rudimentary exciting form and they were just like in a way, what if we just press print on this? What if we just like, let's just make a bunch of these. You can just say that now. (laughs) You said geometry Mm -hmm. and that made me, that car looks like it's very geometric. That's the perfect adjective for it. It looks like you could have a couple in your hand and like roll them as dice and they'd be like and end like a certain way up. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it, cause you could, it could lay flat on any of its sides. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Except for its wheels, I guess. Except for its wheels, you, I guess. We, you like lose <laughs> if you land it. Like, <laughs> Although that, yeah. Like I rolled snake eyes with my cyber trucks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, I wonder the, what happens if it crashes and goes into a roll scenario. It can't. All electric cars 
the battery is flat and dense and the entire floor of the vehicle. So it's got that anchor of a weight. It yeah. just doesn't roll. It's a pancake with four wheels. The, even the engines are so small that they're just these like wheel, 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 tiny little thing here. I, yeah, this is great for radio, right? Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> I'm so like making, this, making this visual diagram for Rachel <laughs> and everyone's just like, I do not follow. But like. It's a pancake with wheels. Yeah. Got it. Pancake, four wheels. <laughs> like then they just put a cab on top of it. Electric vehicles have just never had to worry about rollovers, even crashing. It's just like side impact is great because you're hitting it on the broad side of a of an edge. The broad side of a pancake. Broad side of a pancake. Nothing stronger than the broad side of a pancake. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my grandmother taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what they used to say in the old days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Elon Musk used to say, kids? <laughs> Yeah, and he made the whole darn thing out of stainless steel, so it's indestructible. At the same time— Is it, though? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, from everything but ball bearings, apparently. Okay. So it, unless, like, someone's shooting ball bearings at you, should be but fine. So I just read his excuse that he tweeted that it was because that those windows shattered it. because they had hit it with a sledgehammer yeah. before, and there was, like, a hairline crack at the bottom of the window that they didn't know was there. Yeah. Should have done the other order. Yeah, they um, posted the video of it a couple of days later of them doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Just got to strategize. Oops. All um, bearings first. Yeah. Sledgehammers yeah. Or how about have an extra prototype lying around that you're not Yeah, gonna... start fresh each time. Yeah. <laughs> when you're yeah. going to launch something globally, mm-hmm. use a different one that yeah. you hadn't yeah. already So glad with. we only made one of these. I mean, nothing could possibly <laughs> go wrong in yeah. a prototype presentation. Zero. <laughs> Zero chance. I mean, it's really ballsy, I guess. <laughs> can I say that? Sure you can. <laughs> it's about the steel ball. It was a pun. I know, I got steel it. steel balls. I got it. I got it. You've been on your pun game lately. <laughs> no, I mean, I was trying to post-rationalize Oh, it. <laughs> I actually thought it was a pun up front. Should've See, it was good. It. You should have, yeah. You should have gone with it. Yeah. <laughs> a funny thing is my second reaction after just being kind of amazed was I would never drive that. <laughs> it's one of those things like I appreciate it. But are but you like don't. a, you're not really a truck guy. No, that's true. I'm not. Even though um, it doesn't really look that much like a truck. It's, that's another, I'm glad you brought that up though, because it's not really comparable to a truck. Like no one who's into trucks is going to buy that. Well, that might be unfair to them. True. I mean, I, I would have said exactly that, but then I'm trying to be more generous and, and be like, it's not about... Right. I guess this is probably true for all cars, now that I think about it. Each of the big genres of car types have so much social culture tied up in them. You mm-hmm. know, so you say pickup truck, I think country singers and like in the best case scenario, somebody that is actually legitimately using their truck to do something functional rather mm-hmm. than some silly person driving a gigantic pointless truck around mm-hmm. the city. You know, but I mean, mm-hmm. people will do that, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. A truck can be both the least practical and most practical vehicle you can own, depending on who you are, what you do for a living, but what I your guess situation is. That makes sense because almost anything that you can, like, I got to think of a thing real quick to make this make sense, but it's like, that's maybe the problem with it's not just trucks, it's anything. It's, it's when people have a big purchase, a big flashy thing that they've bought and display publicly as their property. It looks good when they use it functionally. 
and it just reflects badly on them when they have this thing that just doesn't seem to have any real purpose other than this image they're trying to create for themselves, which right. isn't based in reality. And so it's just so transparent. Which, in my opinion, this truck is perfect for. <laughs> well, I mean, so if I you buy argue. this truck, yeah. you could just be like, this is my truck. Yeah. You don't, I don't have to I'm just going to park this. it in my driveway and take selfies in front of it. Yeah. And, like, and no, I don't have to drive it through construction zones or, right. you know, pull a horse trailer or yep. whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> there's there's like a... Car people already know this, but there are these, like, mega expensive versions of trucks. Yeah. Like, the most famous would be the the Ford F-150, the Rap, they call it the Raptor, mm-hmm. which is, like, far, far more expensive than $100,000. Mm-hmm. It's a truck with a massive engine and all kinds of, like, visual stuff on it, and all sorts of towing capability, and it's, like, a big-time status symbol for truck culture to have, like, that car or that truck. I know truck people hate it when you say car. But um, that they market— They also hate it when I think a lot of things that that truck makes me think about, right. which I won't say on air. Right. But those stereotypes aren't necessarily true. Like <laughs> the people that have the money to buy a Raptor aren't the same people who you're probably thinking of right mm, now. No. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm you don't gonna know what I'm thinking. It. I'm going to pause it. <laughs> but— that's the re, in my opinion, the real market, not like somebody who owns like a mid-sized truck and hauls their tools to the job site every day mm-hmm. in it. Those people aren't going to be like, test for Cybertruck, that's the truck for me. No. Yeah. No. And one thing that I think is lost in the conversation that car people are more attuned to, most people aren't. The Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in the world by like five or six times Mm -hmm. the next vehicle, Mm -hmm. not just a truck, like even the next vehicle. That's how filled this world is with trucks, which is bonkers. When I first discovered that, I actually, I knew it was the best-selling truck, but I always thought it was like there was a one through 10 and they probably Mm -hmm. were all in some sort of reasonable Mm -hmm. succession. I had no idea that that's how many more trucks there are in the world generally. Yeah. Which makes this, in my opinion, an even bigger deal than just designing a new, cooler-looking car. Where does this car, or pardon me, truck, <laughs> fit price-wise? Like it crazy starts expensive? at high 40s, uh-huh. which there are cheaper trucks than that. But most trucks that are reasonably equipped with anything that you would want are relatively in that range. Like a, a low-end F-150 starts at about mid-40s. Mm-hmm. And that's a gas. It's an internal combustion engine car. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tesla's taking, I'm sure, a massive loss on the trucks, mm-hmm. but that's never mattered yeah. for Tesla ever <laughs> and really does continues not to. Mm-hmm. But that's accessible yeah. pretty much. And the, the, the price to reserve one is $100. $100. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What's the timeline? What's the waiting list like? Oh, it's like two years away, which is pretty typical for mm-hmm. Tesla stuff Yeah, because they just make it all themselves. It's just so fascinating. Moments like this make me so happy to be alive right now. (laughs) I remember when I was kind of little and, like, Carl Sagan was pretty old and Einstein was dead. And you hear about (laughs) Rockefeller and you would hear about, like, Mm -hmm. Howard Hughes and all of these, like, Mm -hmm. charismatic, genius, industrialist people. And all these exciting things are happening surrounding them. And I was just like, what do we have? (laughs) Which was, like, nothing. (laughs) It was just, like, the end of the Cold War. I always wondered... Oh, man, did we just, like, miss? Like, this era is just not going to be one of those eras. And I feel like just in the last 10 years, watching the leaps that have been made, I guess yeah. it's not I guess it's not just Elon Musk and Tesla. I'm probably giving him too much credit. I'm also probably not enough of an engineering nerd to know who the other people are. Mm-hmm. But I feel like 
the next generation of kids when Elon Musk is all old and people talk well, about him. And if you think about little kids too, actually in terms of this cyber truck, mm-hmm. like I can't imagine a little kid if it saw this it? cyber truck. <laughs> uh, them, or she, you know, they're just, they're just robots. That, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> if a group of children, let's say, <laughs> you would replace its batteries, and then yeah. it would be like <laughs> witnessed in person. One of these, I feel like they, it would be, they would be in awe. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's, it has that kind of look that a little kid would be just like, this Whoa. is the coolest yep. thing I've ever yep. seen, uh-huh. and maybe that's why it translates because all grownups kind of want to have that sense of childhood awe. A machine in that way, it has that that feeling like it's mm-hmm. it's like a cool machine that's gonna do yep. construction stuff, or it's yeah. gonna transform into a robot, or <laughs> and for the yeah, and for the last I say good almost twenty years of car design, nostalgia's been the thing. Mm-hmm. It's been the like how many curves and lines from the sixties and seventies can we put on this brand new car? Yeah, to get people excited about it, and with so many millennials choosing not to own a car. You know, that, like, Generation X boomer market has Mm -hmm. been more valuable, which is kind of a new thing, than the younger market because they're the only people (laughs) buying a car or multiple cars. Mm -hmm. However, this car isn't that. Like, this is a a form factor in a car I could see someone who might not even normally be interested in having a vehicle looking at and being like— nostalgia sense because, like, it looks like it's a Transformer. But does anyone— I mean, I guess Transformers has been been in movies now, but Transformers are from like the eighties. Yeah, I don't know. Do people have even have been into it in the eighties to be able to buy it now as a grown up? I don't know. I want to. I want to believe because the the movies that it harkens well, it back to are pretty obscure. Like my brother was in, and his friends were into Transformers back. We had, you know, they had all the little. Yeah, that, that would have been in the nineties. Not. To, I'm going to totally geek out here now. But Transformers all turned into Robots. normal cars, though. Yeah. They all turned into like a truck that looks like a normal truck. And a, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't turning into super futuristic. Yeah, but but cars. that was back then when that like this is a normal truck now. It literally exists. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the normal, you know. Yeah, it's true. That is true. No, it, de- and it definitely does look like at any minute a ro- you could just turn into a robot yeah. and just be like, "What's up? Why'd you throw those things into my windows, dude?" Yeah. That's one hundred percent true. <laughs> but like, I kept wondering, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic that this is like a fulcrum point in design, and they. I don't want to be making more out of this than it is, and maybe I am. So I'm trying to, like, check myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the more I thought about it, the more excited I got. (laughs) Where it's like, okay, is this the moment where people are going to stop just, like, wanting nostalgia so badly in all design all across the board? Even the, like, going back to the fashion analogy, even the whole sneaker craze Mm -hmm. is like an exercise in nostalgia. It's like how many Air Force 107s are we going to make? Again, it's... I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, airplanes? Oh, well... No, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's even though it's this massive market and appealing to the yeah. youngest possible demographic, it's this massive exercise in nostalgia recombination. There are new designs, but, like, there's still just retreads. No pun intended. Speaking <laughs> of bad puns. Like, this is definitely new. Mm-hmm. And that's also rare in design. So would you buy a self-driving car? Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, I don't want to have to drive. Right. I'm surprised Well, actually, I don't even really need to – I don't want to buy one. I just want there to be ones everywhere that I can get into conveniently. I was about to say, I'm surprised you and Blake haven't bought a Tesla because they already have self-driving. 
Well, we're, you know, milking our <laughs> ancient Subaru. The boat, which has come up before. The boat. <laughs> the boat is in the shop today, Aww, actually. And boat. so we drove in an older boat this morning to the office. <laughs> the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> the boat and the ferry. Yeah. Actually, so it was like a, uh, it was probably like a, I don't know, 01, 2001 era okay. one. Because it looked like my original car that I had, which was an 01. Different model, but anyway, yeah, you know, it's it's the loaner car from the mechanic that we go, and, and you, it's when you're driving a car that's different than your. It's, it's wobbly, you know. Would you it's, say? it's older than ours, but it's still trucking. It's got like there, there's something like three hundred thousand miles on this car. That's a lot of miles. <laughs> Which I think it's almost like a marketing thing for the mechanic. They're like, here, take this loaner car. Look, it's still going strong at three hundred thousand. Like we're gonna keep yours going, just you know. Like, look all what we the can par- do. All the parts in it are like stripped from a brand new car. Yeah, it just like looks just like an old shell, car thing. You know? yeah. They just keep the screwing they it have, on. They like accelerated the odometer with a drill. Yeah, like, yep. look at three hundred thousand. <laughs> That's funny. It's like but the yeah. what is that? The is it the ship of thesis? I don't know what that thing is. Where the, it's like the philosophical riddle where you're out in the ocean in this big boat. And for years and years and years, and you replace pieces of the boat over time. And eventually you've replaced all the pieces of the boat. So at what so time did like the boat, boat cease to be the previous boat right. and become the new boat? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the ship of thesis. Yeah. I love that. That's one of the, my favorite riddles, actually, because I'm thinking about it for years and still haven't actually fallen that on it. It is a, a great a, yeah. riddle. <laughs> you can't, like, you can't wrap your mind around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day, you know, we're, we'll we're not... Out getting a new car anytime soon but whenever we do we're milking this one along when we do we'll get an electric car makes sense they'll all be electric soon more or less yeah and if we milk this old subaru along long enough then maybe we won't have to get another car and there'll just be car robots going everywhere and we'll just get in one when we flag it down and take us wherever we want so many car robots (laughs) there was a, a bad movie with Will Smith, iRobot. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? No. Which was a, a terrible movie. But I remember the previews for Based it. on an amazing book, but terrible movie. And all the cars are self-driving, and Will Smith is like, of course. He's like the cliche, afraid of technology person in the mm-hmm. future, mm-hmm. which is like one of the biggest sci-fi tropes. And at some point, he like grabs the wheel and starts driving, and the passenger is like, are you driving? <laughs> like, are you insane? And he's just like, what? <laughs> like, that's that's not too far off. I think. It's going to be like a thing people do for hobby. Well, that would be fine. Yeah, me too. Have a track somewhere. Yeah. Like some really cool roads to go on. You know, like all the roads that would be in commercials, you know, to show off a car. Yeah, I'm 100% behind that. But it's not going to work. Like where I see this challenge too is that the transition is difficult. Like when you have a mix of cars that are self-driving and other cars that are human driving, that just seems like so much more of a challenge to figure out how to make work than Mm -hmm. all cars are. I agree. I I think it's going to take a while for human psychology to change, even in how the car is supposed to be moving Yeah, because of what we're used to and the way we're used to traffic behaving. Like traffic when it's 99% humans driving is probably going to behave way different yeah. and more efficient when <laughs> when it's all Yeah, if, every, if there weren't humans doing it and then all the cars could communicate, like it was a system. Mm-hmm. It was and a system where everything, every yep. unit was, it was like a coordinated fleet. That's exactly what people have in mind, the people yeah. that are like working on that. And it makes perfect sense. I love driving, but I don't want to drive in traffic. Nobody does. Yeah. I work like, that's not that. fun. That's not the fun part of driving. Yeah. It's, in fact, if you like driving, it's even less fun. Yeah. 
to I mean, just it's be like, like I don't talk about liking driving per se because I don't have any time where I ever get <laughs> right. to drive in any way that is pleasurable. <laughs> right. You know? in, in your boat. Well, or even if before Reach Now, rest in peace, disappeared, but also what I can't say on air. You just like, <laughs> believe me, you're like, it's so terrible that they did that that way. But that, that gave me an opportunity to drive not a boat, but a right. driving machine. But in the city, you know, like, I didn't have much opportunity because I'm driving, you know, to and from work. Yeah. It's not like I have great open roads to really mm -hmm. take this machine to do what it really can. And so those are such beautiful cars, those BMWs, that, like, driving them, you're just like, this is my body. I'm just like, oh, yep. you know, everything yeah. is – you're not one being inside of an object. You, that you're it's an extension of yourself. You're the same thing. That is, like, at the core of what everyone who loves driving yeah. feels. No, yeah. And so I do love that. Mm -hmm. And if I had the opportunity to do that – Absolutely. There's pleasure and fun and, oh, yeah. and I love it, but like it doesn't come up in my day-to-day -day life that I would ever get to do that. Right. You know, I might get five seconds of it like getting on the freeway and be like, Ooh, and then it's like, oh, well, okay, here's <laughs> yeah, just, just to, traffic and yeah. now we have to go 20 miles an hour. You need to take it somewhere. <laughs> there are great places to drive here, but you have to like – You have to go somewhere that else. That has to be what you're deciding to do. Yeah. And if you're renting this car by the minute, you're not going to just decide to drive off. I mean, you know. yeah, could. I mean, you could. Well, because then you could rent it by the hour or by the day. Yeah. True. But like these are not things that I decide decide, hey, this weekend I'm going to rent a car Yeah, just because I want to go drive it well, out you, in the non-traffic. Turo? No. It's like somebody combined Uber and Airbnb. <laughs> and it's only luxury cars, basically. Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, some guy has a Maserati and some guy has a Porsche and some, mm -hmm. and they all just, like, well, it's my other car. And so, like, you pay some absurd rate. It's like four or five hundred dollars a day or something, but you get like a mega luxury car and it's just an app and it'll yeah. just show you with the cars that are near. If I had one of those cars, I would not let any random person drive it. Well, you yeah. have to be so disgustingly wealthy that you don't care if somebody else runs right. that. That's yeah, somebody suggested it to me and I was just like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no way. Yeah. I'm not I don't that really trusting. want anybody else to drive my like old car. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have how many hours do you have in the boat? Yeah, like this is my personal boat. <laughs> we should probably clarify that we're not talking about me having a boat right now. Right, for, no. For new listeners, the boat is the name it's a Subaru of Outback. The car. It just drives yeah. like a boat. We mentioned it on another episode yeah. for a while. Kind of, you just kind of like coast It was along. not a car-centric episode. I forget no. how it came up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. So getting back to the, the Cybertruck, cyber what do you think are some of the other implications and some other design circles like you're very mm -hmm. much a ux person i mean Oof. tesla's known for yeah i mean I don't, I don't know if i know enough about how the cybertruck differs from like all i've seen is what it looks like on the outside i don't know what it's like to be on the inside and using it and driving yeah, every it. single basically every single tesla as far as i understand i know i'm probably going to get hate from tesla fans uh, it's like a giant touch screen in the mm -hmm. center and i mean giant like 22 yeah, inch them. yeah and then like Almost no readout in front of the driver, a heads-up display, and a wheel, mm -hmm. basically. It's extremely minimal, except for the giant screen. Mm -hmm. And everything is through the giant screen. And yeah. it's very responsive, and it tracks all your data, and it updates itself all the time. Mm -hmm. In fact, the self-driving software was an update for mm -hmm. all the Teslas. Right, like, yeah. one day they didn't yeah, have they it, just, and the next and day it was did, like, yeah. oh, hi, Dave. I remember those you have self-driving now. It's amazing how and much. And then Dave was like, I'm definitely going to abuse this <laughs> yeah. right now. I'm going to trash you. <laughs> Which is also just amazing how far behind that most car manufacturers are. Mm -hmm. And continue to be. And it's been like a decade now, basically. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's hard to move those kind of boulders in an older organization. 
yes. I mean, in the car industry, obviously, has had a lot of very profitable reasons to not leap forward. Mm -hmm. And there are obviously global geopolitics in play there. Yeah. (laughs) So that's hard to ignore. And one of the reasons, I mean, this is almost a whole other show, but and one of the reasons Elon Musk had so much trouble getting a battery-powered car to market, Mm -hmm. he actually had to fight every single individual state, even to open a dealership. Part of the reason that Tesla showrooms started showing up in malls and stuff Mm -hmm. and part of the reason you couldn't actually buy a car at a Tesla showroom is because it was illegal for him to open a Tesla dealership. Mm -hmm. So he had to like open a retail shop and then sell Tesla swag (laughs) and then like direct you to the website because Mm -hmm. it was the only legal way to buy the car. Yeah. And I don't think he's even still able to sell cars in every single state yet. Mm -hmm. But that's how stacked against innovation the industry is still. Yeah. There are a lot of not only just the industry itself, but there's so many ingrained and competing giant, you know, ingrained entities that are so tied into that. Mm-hmm. From oil and gas to tires. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about this, but like a, a lot of these things like that have so much, so even just the parts themselves. That, so in the yeah. lobbies for them are so strong and yeah. so powerful. If you made a law, which would be stupid, if you made a law that was like no more internal combustion engines are made from now on, we're only making mm-hmm. EV cars many hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even almost up to a million, would instantaneously be out of work. That's mm-hmm. a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's actually, like, you... There's political there, and social right. implications. There are also that, social implications yeah. to it. But in a way, to me, it makes the Cybertruck more amazing because it exists in that market. If someone did something this revolutionary in graphic design, they wouldn't face those geopolitical forces. If someone did it even in UX design, you wouldn't be facing geo. Just by changing the way in which you're interacting with a screen. Sure, there are some technological implications, but like touchscreen technology is now pretty ubiquitous. See, those, and, are, those are small, yeah. smaller things. Like those but are bigger, all big design worlds. Yeah. yeah, but I mean like it's not a consumer product that is incorporating all these different areas of design and mm-hmm. all of these different innovations all into one purchasable object. Which is why I equate this a little bit more with architecture Uh because market forces play a huge role in how affordable or buildable things are. We have to deal with just as many, if not more, regulations, safety issues, definitely sustainability issues. In fact, I was just reading, and I think this came up on a previous show actually, that the production, transportation, and consumption of goods is like 10 times harsher on the environment than all of the spent fuel Hmm. of all the cars and airplanes and everything. Mm -hmm. And that, like, if we consumed less, it makes a much huger impact than if we switched to all battery-operated transportation. And architecture, I think, is a massive component in a way. Mm -hmm. Every single thing has to be trucked in from elsewhere, even in the greenest possible situations, you know. There's not a quarry next door, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. You know the the many of our listeners not, not listeners may not know this also that when you are building to a green standard, it really just limits the amount of carbon footprint. It's not eliminating it or even cutting it in half. You're yeah. creating a radius in one aspect, creating just a radius. Like, okay, we won't go any further than this to get our materials, and we'll make an effort to recycle stuff we're throwing away. But it's like, and then the particular materials that you're getting have you know embodied carbon that you have calculated right. and offset and done 
you know, the things that you'll do to try to justify your use of them. Yep. The, yeah. No, it's incredibly complicated and the built environment is, you know, among the worst things that we do as humans for yeah. the environment. But that's one of our biggest challenges yeah. is how to deal with that. And could you imagine if this happened in the architecture world? That boggles my mind Somebody's a little bit. like, here's my cyber home. I mean, it's impenetrable. Basically, Just kidding. Yes. Here's my cyber home. It is made out of all of these crazy impenetrable materials. It's nearly zero carbon footprint, and it's the same price or cheaper you know, than all um, of the equivalents. Elon Musk is just going to do that. He's going to have a cyber RV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... that's my hope. <laughs> I mean, he did briefly a home battery, uh-huh, yeah. um, but it, like, never really took off. Well, and or then the roof, bother. there was the solar roof. The Tesla roof had lots of problems with it, but... I mean, I think that's still trying to be a thing. It is. They manufactured it very briefly. It had so many issues, they stopped. But I hear rumors you can still get it, but it's difficult, mm-hmm. which is sad. But there's like a, a tiny town in California somewhere where they did like all Tesla roofs everywhere. Cool. Spec homes. Yeah. And then sold them. But like many of the people are having issues with them. So mm. I don't know about that. But the, well, just but the fact that he's trying. Well, that's a good way trying. to solve the, you know, mm-hmm. create a test environment. Mm-hmm. And California is the perfect place for that. Yeah. And it's a case study. Test it out. Yeah. Work out the details. Figure out the kinks. Make so maybe it, that's the next effective. thing. I would be I would be both shocked and amazed if one day he's just like cyber home. Yeah, here it is. And this man, it's just like I remember how we used to be amazed every time Apple innovated with something amazingly new. And it seems like he has taken over that space mm-hmm. of just like coming up with a new thing that is changing lives. Smartphone and the iMac, like iMac, and like truly changing the way we interacted with each other. Well, but so the way I see that differently, though, there's is, UX. There you go. You brought well, UX into it. Okay. <laughs> All what, right. What Rachel's, <laughs> Rachel's ready like, now. Wait, She's like, like <laughs> All I have to cars? do is say what? something, okay. something <laughs> Apple question mark. And Rachel's Rachel's I'm on like, board. Wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna throw me off my thought process here. But what I was thinking about that is that a lot of what Apple did was not quite a corollary in that sense because. This Cybertruck feels like a whole brand new cool thing. Mm -hmm. It has that sense of, whoa, this is brand new and cool. And if it's an iteration, it's on something that they already did do, but the same company. Whereas a lot of what Apple did was take things that did exist already. They didn't invent the smartphone. They didn't invent the touchscreen. They didn't invent the graphical user interface. Like all of that stuff, they looked at what was out there and then just made something that worked and functioned and that humans liked better. Yes, I agree. They just wasn't, made things better. Than wasn't they ever though were. the UX the real genius of the I mean this is a truly a question. Wasn't the UX the genius of the iPhone, not so much the fact that it was a screen? Yes, but it wasn't that they invented the entirety of it. Mm-hmm. Smartphones existed, touchscreens existed. They took existing concepts that hadn't really taken off because they hadn't been executed beautifully and well. Right. And sold at a huge loss. And so they were able to let design be the thing that mattered the most, right? Rather than— Really good point. Then that's a really the first good point. person on the field with a new technology. Right. Design was the most important thing because when it comes down to it, you're not going to love it if the design isn't good. Yeah. You might be like, cool, that's neat, but I hate it. I'm actually glad we're likening it to the iPhone in a way because— you know how the marketing trope, a child should be able to draw it? Mm-hmm. Okay. iPhone, rectangle. Like, it's still kind of the icon. Mm-hmm. And the Cybertruck is a triangle. I mean, the Cybertruck looks like if it was a little kid that was like, I want to draw it. a cool yeah. machine. I want to draw a cool car. Yeah. Triangle, two that's, wheels. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. a little kid idolizes this it's thing. so 
I'm getting like more excited about it as we talk about it. Are you um, gonna go buy one? Are you on the list already? I can't. I just can't. I'm not really a truck person. But first is it of really all. a truck? And it's not, but it's it's not a car. That's for sure. I mean, that's one of the things I love about it. It's like it's kind of a new thing. I do want to segue into one major criticism it's been getting, mm-hmm. which is that there is this sort of apocalyptic aura about it. Like, why are we building a stainless steel massive electric vehicle with bulletproof windows and selling that to residential people? Well, it's a tough what world is out that, there. Right. What, well, what does that <laughs> yeah. say no, about yeah. the way in which moneyed people in the top 5% incomes with disposable income mm-hmm. are thinking about their relationship to the rest of the world? The pitchforks are coming. A little bit. It is this sort of dark part of it is that there is this like this is the epitome of income inequality. Yeah. And I remember. It looks like a tank. It looks like a military vehicle. I remember. I can't remember what the actual subject of the NPR discussion was, but it was a discussion about low income neighborhoods Mm -hmm. here in Seattle and the way in which people think about them and interact with them. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman who was being interviewed who was a community organizer they were talking about sustainability and stuff. And she asked this amazing question, which stuck in my head, obviously. She was like, what do you think people in a poor African-American neighborhood think to themselves when a Tesla drives through their neighborhood? Do you think they're thinking about how sustainable that is or how much this person is helping the environment? Whose environment is really being helped Mm -hmm. by this car? Well, who's driving the car? For the purpose of the discussion, it was irrelevant because you can't see. (laughs) I mean, mean, like, is it somebody that lives in the neighborhood? The way she put it in the interview was drive through the neighborhood. It wasn't like literally as if this person was just traversing it. And she said it was a poor African-American neighborhood. And this was the early days of Tesla. So you're assuming that a person in that neighborhood didn't shell out 80, 90 grand for a Tesla. This Cybertruck is definitely almost exclusively a vanity vehicle, really. Serves no real purpose other than being awesome. <laughs> like, and that, you know, and, and like not okay, ha- but having emissions. That alone, <laughs> how many people out there buy a particular car because they think what it means is that they're being awesome? Like, many, most, many, many people. Oh, or not most. And, I mean, not yeah. me. Like, I, I've never bought a car for the reason that it's like, <laughs> this makes me awesome. I, 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 I'm I, I, just I been, like much more practical. <laughs> choose my vehicles based on awesomeness, but that's just me. I'm like, I need to haul some stuff. I mean, I had a Honda Civic, which was crap. I had a like old Mercury Sable. That was <laughs> truly not great. You know, I actually de- went down an internet hole the other day about the Edsel, yeah. which I didn't know I didn't know about. Famous, I, famous car. Yeah, I ended up because of the whole Ford versus Ferrari yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie, but I was reading about it. I haven't about, yet either, which is a uh, travesty. Um, I was reading about it and, and just sort of, you know, as it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you end up reading like about it. you do. You know, yeah. yeah. And it was fascinating about mm-hmm. the whole Edsel thing and how it failed and the theories of why it failed and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. it plays into these ideas of, you know, vanity in cars and what we think about yeah. what we're trying to project and all these things. There's a great documentary on Amazon. It's free. Uh, it's called A Faster Horse. And it's about how partially the Mustang, I mean, it was clearly born also of the 1966 Le Mans, but also born out of the failure of the Edsel. Hmm. Fascinating. And it's a beautiful documentary. It was done by the same director who did Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's phenomenal. Highly recommend it. And it's very much about design. Yeah. Really, really cool. Well, I mean, so you could get into the emotional side of picking a car, even if it's not a car you ever buy. 
people idolize cars, even yes. if they're cars that they're never going to personally own or whatever. And cars have personalities. And one of the reasons why that Pixar movie Cars is so popular is that, mm. like, since the car was invented, everybody personifies cars. They think of them as having eyes and a face, and mm -hmm. they have definitely been a reflection of us. Do you name your cars? I do name my cars. See, I've this never a named a, never named a car. It doesn't like, but see me this because I just have never thought of my cars as that kind of extension of myself. It's controversial now, or even yeah, I don't know. It just never seemed like a thing, but so many people do it. So many people do. And this is actually another similarity. Like cars are an extension of our homes also. Yeah. It's a place where you feel safe. It's space that you own. Mm -hmm. uh, that is your safe space. People have amazing memories that come from the time in their cars. They get emotional when they let them go. Which is why I let them go and... car B and b my car. <laughs> right. I don't blame you. Car B&B. &B. Yeah. That had to be the original name of Toro. And then they were like, so well, wait, yeah, Justin, we can't call it Car B&B. &B. <laughs> no, bro. It's going to work so great. <laughs> car B&B. &B. Sorry. I'm not going to let you That was my tech bro So voice. like, what is your car's name? <laughs> No, I can't. I can't what? even because it's it's a controversial it's thing now. No, it's controversial. Mm. There is a whole thing about. So you aren't willing to put your stake in the ground. I will say I name my cars, but I won't but say what their names are. But you won't say what their names. I'm serious. <laughs> Why? Are you ashamed? I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a real thing that I'll explain later. Okay. Sorry, um, everybody. <laughs> you don't get to hear. Yeah, that. the cars that I didn't care about didn't get names. Actually, no, my only my first car didn't get a name. So you only name the cars you love. It's like if you. Yeah. <laughs> It's like people that can't figure out a name for their kid until the kid is, like, yeah. too old. And then... Yeah. People that name their dog, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was originally one of those people. I mean, the gray Mercury Sable was just, like, a tank. So I used to sometimes refer to it as the tank, but that was well, about that's it. kind of a name. Kind of. It's tank. Kind of an endearment. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But that's the only one I'm willing to say on the show. <laughs> I, you know, owned a Mustang for a long time, was very into working on it. And the first time I started working on it, my connection to that car got truly emotional and deep and like the whole extension of your body thing is even more so mm. but that will go away electric cars are like the simplest ironically they're an incredibly simple piece of engineering mm -hmm. to add power to it you just like put another motor in it you don't even change the size of it or mm -hmm. the science of it mm -hmm. whereas like in the internal combustion engine is this overly complex thing that in and of itself has an art form to it that is just not present in electric cars so I guess there's also a sort of a sad design component to it in that way. Electric cars in general, in that this entire culture of the design of the engine and the way power is distributed and the way you make your car move is gone. It will be gone. It'll be a lost art quickly. Mm. And we'll just be left with rolling batteries, which will be great for the environment, but it'll be a lost art. Okay, but there will be other arts that develop that I'm sure. take that place. I'm sure. So it's not like... And I think they already have. I mean, what you do when you program. I think that yeah. is a thing that has already very much taken the place of that. Yeah. I can definitely see, like, the sort of trope of, like, the parent teaching the kid how to fix an engine, and now that's like, hey, I'll teach you how to code. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... It's absolutely yeah. a thing. So I think it's already maybe started to happen anyway. Yeah, as it should. Absolutely. But there was beauty to it. But I think, you know, 134 years, pretty good run. <laughs> I think it's not terrible. I yeah. think we pretty much explored that. <laughs> yeah. So we're, yep. we're done with that. Out of oil anyway. So, I mean, like, that works. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
engaged. That was cool. Yeah. Cybertruck. How I learned to stop worrying and love the Cybertruck. That's what what the title should be. (laughs) How I learned to stop worrying and learned to Cybertruck. No, love the Cybertruck. Do you know that reference or no? No. Have you ever heard of the movie Dr. Strangelove? Oh, oh, I've seen it. The alternate title to Dr. Strangelove is, in fact, the full title of the movie, Mm -hmm. true story, the full title of the movie is Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Oh, yeah. I don't I mean, I've, it's probably been 20 years since I saw that. Right. Wait, how old would that be? When I, that's probably not the right number. <laughs> it's how old, old am I? Wait, no. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't answer that. Gotta go. Oh, time's up. Sorry. Actually, that's perfect. We're, we're out of time anyway, so that's perfect. Cool. Yeah, so long story short, go out and get a Cybertruck, basically. Or don't. Or whatever. don't. But, you know, I hope that if you hadn't heard about it, you go and see it. And if you're somebody who's already into design, read a little bit more about it. And I don't know, shoot us an email. Are we wrong? Are we right? Am I being ridiculous? Is it just another car? Let us know. Flame us. Doesn't matter. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Rachel, thanks for sitting with me, chatting about Cybertruck. You got it. And thank you very much for listening. Check out Design Goggles podcast on Instagram and Design Goggles on Facebook and Twitter. Also check out our blog on boredomellum.com. There's always super cool stuff being posted there. And as always, please stop on by Board of Vellum in Seattle anytime for a chat with us. We would love to have you. Thank you again, and we will see you all in a few weeks. Bye.